What's up, everybody? Welcome to Outside Perspective with me, Adam Meredith. Guys, do me a favor. Go rate and review if you haven't subscribed. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Those things help immensely. Also, if you are in the market for CBD, I have a link in the show notes to Jumbo Superfoods. You can go use that link, and it helps support the podcast. I get a small percentage. It doesn't cost you anything. I really appreciate it. Now, if you're asking yourself, what is CBD? Who is Jumbo Superfoods? Who are? Who is? I don't know. Is it who are? No, it is definitely who is Jumbo Superfoods. But it's not a person. Who are they at Jumbo Superfoods? Either way, let's get to the other question. CBD. What is CBD? Cannabidol. It is one of the many compounds that is found within the cannabis plant. And it has a ton of medical benefits. It doesn't make you feel high. You don't get that uh, you don't get that psychoactive feeling because there is no THC. Again, I repeat, there is no THC. This those are two separate compounds found within the same plant. This particular compound, CBD, does not make you feel that way. It does not show up on a drug test. But what it does do, it can help you with pain. It can help you with inflammation. It can help you with anxiety. It helps with seizures. It's being used to treat epilepsy and depression and PTSD. So many good things with just this one compound. And it has, and for me, which really draws me to it, um, is the neuroprotective and the neurogenic effects that it can have. So what, what do I mean by that? It can help the brain, folks. Like, it is amazing. Um, I use it. I give it to my kids. Um, my daughter... Uh, when she was very young, she was uh, diagnosed with autism. If you know anything about autism, it is there is a huge spectrum. Um, I would definitely say she is not a severe case. I actually sometimes wonder if she even has autism because that's a very blanket term. It, 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 that's another. We'll go down that rabbit hole later. But my point is, whenever I found that out, I've become obsessed with the brain and how can we help the brain. And this is one of those things. Amongst a ton of other things that helps the brain. But CBD does help the brain. So that's some powerful shit. And the folks over at Jumbo Superfoods, they are making some of the best products on the market when it comes to CBD. Um, all high quality ingredients. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. They're all high quality ingredients. Like it's it's just all high quality ingredients. And they make it all with love. You can't go wrong, guys. Check them out. Use the link in my notes. 
jombosuperfoods.com. Now, to today's guest. I train at a gym called St. Charles MMA. And that's where I, I fought out of whenever I was I was fighting. Um, and now I just, and now I do jujitsu. I still train there for jujitsu. Um, assistant. I am an assistant uh, coach for the kids program. And we have so many amazing people at the gym. It blows me away. And I sit down with one of those guys today. He is a um, he's an engineer. Works at Boeing, which is a uh, a large aviation company. If you don't know who Boeing is, go look them up. But he's also a martial artist, and he was just um, published in a, a new book, which we talk about. And I just, I'm just, I feel so. Uh, I just have a lot of gratitude for all the amazing people at uh, at our gym, and uh, I just I really appreciated him, you know, taking the time to come speak with me. Uh, we had a good conversation. So, without further ado, I gotta quit saying I gotta say something else. Um, here we go, Eric Prim, ladies and gentlemen. Eric Prem. How's it going, man? I'm good. Again, thank you so much for joining me on such short notice. Thanks for the invite. I'm always I'm always just so uh the words kind of escaped me. Uh what what am I? I don't know what I am. But we have so many interesting people at the gym. We really do. It's so fucking awesome. We just have such an eclectic gr- group of people. And uh, I knew that you were a martial artist. Yes. But I had no idea that you're a scientist. I know talking to you, like you're obviously a very smart guy. Like that. Thank that, you. That comes across. But um, you're, you're what? I've always had like three pillars of my life: um, martial arts, writing, and then science. And I'm an engineer now. And Whenever you meet someone from like that group, they don't know about the others, so they're always kind of weirded out. <laughs> That's funny. So they're all kind of siloed. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I'm like you, man. I like to. I I would rather listen to somebody else talk and try to get to know what's up with them because there's so many people out there and you never know their stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you can learn a lot just by listening, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so interested in in stories, and I think that's what podcasting. Uh, gets me more than anything is like um, you know Rogan and all the people I've found through him just listening to their stories and listening to the stories that you've been putting out is, is fantastic because you, you never know people have such variety such wild lives and their interests are um, so varied um, that's one of the reasons why I like Twitter yeah. is because you'll get in you'll, you'll see somebody that like you follow I follow one guy from for books 
and then he just wrote this rant about heirloom apples. And I don't care about heirloom apples, but it was interesting the way that he wrote it. And it's yeah. like, why, are you, why do you care? And then like at the end, you're like, oh, that's why you care. <laughs> Humans are amazing. We're such weird creatures. We are. We are weird-ass creatures, and people are the weirdest on the Internet. Yes. <laughs> you can be yourself. You can be yourself. You can, you can let your freak flag fly. Yeah, to a, yeah, man, yeah, to a, yeah, almost to a fault at times. <laughs> it is some wild shit, but, uh, yeah, um, so I'm, I'm a, a structural engineer here in St. Louis for the large aerospace company. Um, I've been doing that for over a decade now. So, okay, how, how did you get into, how did you like what was your path into into being like an engineer back in uh back in high school um i i, lo- I love to write i love to draw and i've always had kind of an artistic side mm-hmm. but i've also noticed that there's a limit like you know i was never going to be a comic book artist i was never going to be a great painter that but I, I liked it and there was a high school class that was um architectural drawing and engineering drawing and I really liked it mm-hmm. because it allowed me to I liked math at the same time and so it kind of you know you would take a straight edge and you draw it three inches here and three inches here and then you you know you'd scale things up and down so I could create drawings that would look like something that I couldn't do freehand and when I started researching engineering that's where like that that drawing kind of pushed me on over into it where you could take math and physics and make something in the real world so you knew pretty young like that was kind of a path that you're wanting to pursue yeah yeah i'm one of the rare ones that yeah i was gonna say man because i didn't know what the hell i wanted to do at that (laughs) age okay sometimes i wonder sometimes like maybe i should have done something else but i i love what i do even though it's you know like any job it gets frustrating as hell sometimes yeah i can dig it so it's almost embarrassing to admit but dude what (sighs) Is is the term engineer? Is that just like a broad term? Cause yeah. It's, okay. Because I'm just like, like, I don't know what. Like, what <laughs> is an engineer exactly? The best I've been able to come up with is it's a uh, practical physicist, practical chemist. Um, so, where do you fall into this? I I I would be more on the physics side. So okay. like. Uh, the stuff that we do um, would be beams and kind of uh, balancing forces. So, like, uh, you know, think of, like, a teeter-totter. And mm-hmm. you know how, like, you get the fat kid a little closer in and you got to get the skinny kids way out and you could get it to balance? Okay, that's, yeah. That's kind of my job It's like, balancing those forces to make sure that something doesn't break. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what I uh, – a few years ago, I took one of those Dale Carnegie courses and they were, like – you need to find a way to separate yourself from the crowd. And I knew instantly. And it was, um, I'm the guy that makes sure the wings don't fall off the plane. Yeah. And it's it's easy. You know, everybody understands that. And they're kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's an easy way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Huh. So the, the image that comes to mind, I remember whenever I was in um, – I don't know, middle school, like seventh grade. We had this tech ed class, mm-hmm. is what we called it. And uh, one of the the stations that you could do was you you built a bridge, and then like you tested it to failure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's, that's, what, that's what comes to mind. That's exactly my job. Yeah. Except on airplanes. 
specifically on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, That's important work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I appreciate you. <laughs> I like making it where I'm going. Yeah. I uh, when um, I went to Rolla, uh, University of Missouri Rolla, which is now. Missouri University of Science and Tech or something. Yeah, S and T. And I uh I hired into Ford out of college and that's a different type of engineering than what you do in college. Because they're more interested in we have this bolt over here that costs five cents less than the one we have in this car. Can uh-huh. we put that bolt in this car? And so I'm not really designing the bolt, I'm just trying to get it over here and then I'm designing the all the tests to make sure that it's safe for this part and you know, what does it take to get the the guy on the line who has to put like 400 of these per day in? Can he do that safely? Can he do it effectively? Um, what tools do we have to change out? And and that to me was, it's not why I went to school and it was frustrating. And then I came to Boeing and, uh, but I came to Boeing and Boeing was like homework. So I was doing my homework homework again. Yeah. I, I write reports and in it, it's, there's a lot of math. There's a lot of, uh, uh, arguments. So it's like, I always tell people that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create an argument for why this part that I'm working on uh-huh. is safe to put on the plane. Oh, so you're like justifying constantly. Yep. 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 And, um, depending on who I've worked with it, sometimes in my career, it gets, it gets pretty combative. It's like a real debate. Uh-huh. Um, now, uh, I, luckily the people I work with now are, um, much better so we we can have civil discussions and we can go back and forth but yeah it's um i'll I'll create the document and then somebody will look at it and they'll and we'll talk about why i did this why i did that um and you know it it has to go through certain processes before it can go out there and they have their whole internal design specs and then they have to test certain things and then the FAA has to agree to it uh, or the military depending on what you're working on and and then somebody goes out and manufactures it it's it's interesting holy shit so that's that, i mean that's a whole process so yeah. do you so at times do you have to like ever go in front of like a board or anything and like and present i don't know i don't know like maybe i don't understand the entire process no no um sometimes yeah. Yeah. I, I've had to. Um, mm, that tends to be rare because everything's kind of built in, and we have yeah. we have enough background and history and services to to fulfill that role. But occasionally, yeah. And the the higher the higher the priority, the more critical the the part, the higher it tends to go up. You know and uh, are we on schedule? Or are we off schedule? Kind of all of that, that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the interesting things that people don't, um, think about is that, you know, airplanes are made by humans and all humans make mistakes. So right. there's going to be mistakes that they make it. Um, and when you're dealing with a part that's like $10,000, that mistake doesn't mean you can throw the part away like a car part you can throw away because it's like maybe two dollars to make so it's just cheaper to make a new one yeah but aircraft parts you don't um you don't necessarily throw them away some some we do but um they'll we have a we have a whole group that interacts between the shop and then you know my role 
and they'll they'll write it up and they'll send it to us and uh we'll do our structural analysis again and see if the repair that uh if the repair that they're specifying will work okay okay so i don't know how much you can say because i don't know what the the like the confidentiality nature is of, of the work that you do but so you did mention the military there mm -hmm. um they have some pretty kick-ass planes right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like what kind of structural things would would like would you be working on like are is it are they just like transportation units or like are they like combat planes or um, all the above yeah i've worked on uh i've worked on um transports and i've worked on j uh, fighters yeah no no i don't have a further question that was, that was just kind of <laughs> i was just kind of wondering what kind of planes you're working on yeah uh i i've i've had um it'll let's see it'll be 13 years at the end of this month and i've worked on quite a bit of stuff across the company 13 years only working on planes uh, f yeah, for, for Boeing. So. For Boeing? Mm -hmm. God damn. Do they send you all over? Uh, I've been That's a to, huge company. It, it is a huge company and, and I've been lucky enough. I've gone to Macon, Georgia, where we were making some stuff. I've, uh, I've been sent to Utah to, to, um, customer conference to work with customers. Yeah. Um, I've been sent to, um, I've gone up to Seattle quite a bit, um, Mostly North Seattle up in the Everett area, uh -huh. um, and they sent me to Charleston because we got a plant down there, and oh, so yeah. I was I was working on the new 787 down there. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing this? Oh, I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> so, like, okay, let's just say you're still like like engineering, but not for planes. Mm-hmm. You know, I I probably would have got my PhD in engineering and tried to teach. I would just be a teacher. Yeah. Not just be a teacher, not just, <laughs> yeah. oh, just be a teacher. I don't mean it that way, but, okay. So still just uh, just, just teaching it, huh, instead of you wouldn't want to necessarily, like, uh, practice in another field or anything like that. Yeah. Um, from what I've known, like, talking to other friends in other fields and what I experienced when while working at Ford, it's just not the type of engineering that I like, yeah. you know, um, I like getting in there and getting in with the the concepts, with getting in um, yeah. and, and dealing with it that way. And and I, I really like the math. Um, I'm one of those weirdos. Um, and a lot of the other ones, they're not so much about it. Like the my equivalent job up at Ford is almost um, after the fact. Like they would do a crush test. Uh -huh. And then my job was to go back and pull the forces out from oh. what happened. How you know, like the roof collapsed this way. Well, what does that mean? So then we would go to try and re, re reverse engineer how those um, what the loads are that caused it to collapse that way. Yeah, which is which is interesting, but not not quite my thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can totally dig that. Um, man, I had a question. I lost it. <laughs> I fucking lost it. What uh what are your fucking thoughts on uh I was thinking about this today because uh we were we were looking on uh I was looking on Facebook and uh you saw you saw that thing that Tracy Taylor posted. Yeah. That uh that fucking that meme got a lot of people riled up. Yeah. I don't wanna get political, but I wanna ask 
like what are your thoughts on on just kind of just like just all the outrage that that <laughs> people are just kind of less like spewing spewing out there i try to avoid negativity i'm like mm-hmm. i don't like to i don't like to have that shit in my life and uh yeah. sorry to change the subject no, that, was, that was a terrible segue segue wasn't it that was a <laughs> terrible segue you're fine man this uh so um, I, I've only got back on Facebook to kind of start promoting this book. Um, and the reason I got off is because I love that stuff. Like, I love getting in the politics. Um, there's a friend of mine down in uh, southern Missouri, St. James, Missouri. And he and I will go, like, we'll go days of arguments on really? Facebook. Yeah, Just back and forth on So there. I got off because it was, like, taken away from my writing. It was taken away from, you know, my time with my wife. So I'm like, I, I got to get off this. So I see that, um, and, uh, you know, the, the increased hostility is ridiculous. And uh, I think part of it is our social media culture. Yeah. Is, you think that's a true representation, though, of kind of like what's happening in the world? Or you think it's just kind of just a place that people go and then it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I was thinking about your, your name and all these places that you're traveling and, like, you go to these places and it doesn't really seem too bad. People seem to be doing just fine with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But then people get online and then it's just like they just do shit that they wouldn't do in real life. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think that it's um you, you know what is it? They say and here's more made up statistics, but like 90% of our communication is nonverbal, right? You know, you sit here and like so if I said something to you um, and you, it offended you, I would see that reaction and I would probably tone down because there's, you know, there's a, a tribal instinct, a herd instinct to like not, not rock the boat too much. Yeah. But you take all that away online and suddenly you can say whatever you want. Yeah. No, it's some wild shit, man. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> dude. It is. And it's, it's so, for me, it's so fun to watch because I can, I can detach from it. Yeah. And I, I have I have rules that I try and maintain. And the first one is, um, and it's the one that everybody seems to violate, is your arguments aren't you. You know, if you, so. Yeah, I mean, our ego likes to identify. Exactly. And, and defend. and Exactly. And I think that we're getting, the, you know, these, these wonderful phones and iPads and computer and our social media and all that has connected us more to each other in a digital way, but it's taken out that person to person thing. And, um, you know, it, sitting down and having a conversation with you would be different is way different than if we were just doing it on messenger. Yeah. Cause you, you also can't really play back and forth on the other person. Yeah. In a, in that way. And, um, and it becomes easier because we're, you know, we used to have unions, bowling leagues you know we're lucky because we have st charles mma and you know everybody there like tries to make an effort you know like tracy will have people over for fights or you know whatever or michael put out a call that hey so and so's fighting this weekend let's get a group and go or this tournament's coming up let's get a group and go whereas i think a lot of the people don't have that and they're missing out on it and so they start identifying with these nebulous things and politics is just easy because you can pick a side and there's your enemy, you know. 
That's that's what I believe. I could be way off, but I mean, we are just primates, dude. I mean, we we're, are. we're tribal, man. And community is a, it's an important piece of the puzzle for sure. Um, people are definitely just looking to identify. Everybody everybody wants to pick sides. Everybody mm-hmm. wants. I can remember, well, forever. I mean, people have always just said they always identify with something. It's always we this, we that. Yeah. I can remember being a little kid and like. I think I don't know if I've ever done that. I think I've always <laughs> just been like they, like, yeah. like, and that's okay. That's totally fine if mm-hmm. if that's what if that's what you do. Like you identify with the football team, and now it's a we. Like that's fine if that's for you. But it's just funny how people do that, and then like mm-hmm. they'll go and uh, and start some shit. Yeah. Over over a sports team in a jersey. Yeah. When I when I worked at Ford, you know, they would have the the big rivalry rivalry was the University of Michigan and the Ohio State. And like so when Ohio State came up to Michigan, like people like trash their cars and like dent things and the same thing when people went to Michigan to Ohio State. I, was, I never got that. Yeah. I've I've never attached to anything. Like uh when I lived when I was in going to college and my address was in Illinois, I would make fun of people from Missouri just because, <laughs> you know, just to get my, just to give my friends from Missouri a little bit of riling. Yeah. But like, I, I never cared. Right. You know? Yeah. There's, uh, there's a, uh, an interesting book that you would probably like, um, a guy named Jonathan Haight Height, and it's called The Righteous Mind, and it's about morals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it pulls in with the with this politics. And his thing is, we we make these decisions emotionally, and then we later go back and use reason to justify it. And that a lot of our political arguments are that way. And one of the interesting things he says in the books is that when you when you find your political group, you get that dopamine hit, and so you almost become addicted to that type of moralizing and it's hmm. the the book has me messed up because uh i i i don't really trust my own opinions about myself you know i'm always trying to go out and research and see and um i know that sounds weird but it, it's worked for me in kind of a way it's kept me from thinking you know i know the best like i i really don't um but i'm always trying to learn um movie comes out I look I and I watch the movie I I don't read reviews and then I watch a movie and then the first thing I do is I go home and start reading reviews and see what other people thought of it after you've watched the movie mm -hmm, that's a good that's a good move yeah reviews always fuck it up they do they don't ever know I'm I've yeah I do that same thing I'm just like "Ah, I'm just gonna go see it yeah and I like finding out okay this person liked this part this person didn't like that part and um it's uh it gives me something that um next movie i go to maybe i look at a little different and it's someone's perspective and and it's hard to do that with politics it's easier to do it with art it's easier to do it with um books podcasts tv shows whatever you want to do but i try to do the same thing with politics and it's so hard because we are so polarized right now and yeah. you know even the political pundits the ones that are making money are doing it off calling the other side names i'm like i don't care you know yeah man people believe what they believe and they believe that shit hard 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 yeah man i just typically just want to be left alone i don't know what that means i don't really identify with any party 
the the fun thing is is so mike rogers you know he's he's on the opposite political side with me and and he and i'll talk about it and we'll have just civil discussions and that and what we come down to is that we both agree on a lot of the same things there's just a few little things we don't agree on but because those few things were like way over on the opposite sides you know it it, there's it's almost like there's no middle path yeah and we're also becoming so tribal that everything's about winning that any little bit of a movement towards the right, you're a loser, you're a traitor, whatever. Any movement, someone on the right towards the left, they're now a rhino, you know, they're not a real conservative or whatever. It's like all this all this gatekeeping, it, we, we tend to think of it as binary when really it should be a spectrum, right? Yeah. You know, some people are far right, some people are far left, some of us are just in the middle and don't know what we want. We I just mean, want the government the, to leave us alone. Don't you think that's how it really is? It's just I not, do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I did, yeah. And man, polit- and our whole system is just fucking weird. It's weird. The whole thing is just weird. I really do. I, I do. Th- I, I mean, I agree with the idea of uh, why, like, why do we have one guy, <laughs> one head chimp? Yep. Up, like, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Why? And we, uh, and we over use the a popularity contest. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Kind of, not really, right? Because yeah. you can still win the popular vote and not get the electoral college. Yep. Of the last seven elections, Democrats have won um, six of the seven popular votes. Really? Yep. Hmm. And they've only won a couple of those elections. So, uh, Let's go back and forth. Yeah. I, I, w- I You know, and that's what I think. I think we should go back and forth. We're going to we're going through this crazy thing about the Supreme Court justices and the nominations, and all that. And someone the other day posted a really good solution to that. Really, what was it? Every president gets two nominees, and so there's a term limit. And when the new president rolls over, the people that hit their term limit are out. And so then you know every time it flips back and forth, then you know you're just you're keeping the court kind of current. Because, you know, you got these people on there that are going to be on there for all their lives. you got 80-year-olds making the, decisions. It's, that's insane to me. Yeah. You know what? How much change can you have in a country with a position of power like that that has had so few people yeah. in that position? If you're there for life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. you got to think, what kind of values are those people holding? Yeah. It's probably some pretty old-world values. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. How, how much progress can you make as a country? How many of them, you know, are uh, able to text message? How many of them, you know, like... Who knows? And so they're probably relying on people our age who are their aides, their uh, law clerks, you know... And, and, to do all that work for do them. Do all that work for them. And, and who knows how that affects it, how that sways them one way or another either, too, so... Yeah, man. I mean, you just see some of the... Uh, and again, I'm not, I'm just, when it comes to this shit, I'm just an idiot. I don't <laughs> fucking know anything. Like, but it, um, like you see some rollbacks on certain like regulations that mm-hmm. don't seem to be very good for the environment and shit. Yeah. And it's like, well, that just doesn't make sense. Like, why would we do that? Yeah. Yeah. How is that even legal? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree. I, I don't get it. Um, but, and, and the, the problem is we'll never, we will never be able to have those conversations because the people on the left have one set of language and the people on the right have a different set of language and they'll never, 
They'll never get it until yeah. they can, until you can find a way to, um, to, to bridge that. One of the, in, in uh, so I read a book by a conservative. I like to do book reviews on my website and I read a book by a conservative and he's talking about racism and he sort of acknowledged a little bit that, you know, racism helped propel Trump up. But I realized and kind of talking to other of my friends that there's two different the, the, when the right and the left talk racism, they're talking by each other. They're not really talking about each other. So, um, like a lot of my, um, a, a lot of the conservative position seems to be the textbook definition. Like if I say something bad about you because of the color of your skin, that's racism. But the people on the left tend to look at it in more of a historical view. Like, you know, what, less than a hundred years ago, a black man and a white woman would be illegal if they got married, you know, and that, so our, our systems and our laws and our government are built on all of this stuff and it's all there and it's slowly working its way out, but it's not that just definition of like, Oh, that's there, you know, mm -hmm. and neither side will acknowledge that that's what the other are talking about. And then you're considered, you know, an asshole for pointing out that that's what you're talking about and, or you're playing the race card or whatever stupid meme is going around, you know, but mm -hmm. that, that to me, there's like this just gap. And until we find a way to bridge it, we're going to have a hard time. And, and part of that is also going to be, you got to look at yourself and think, what am I, what am I doing wrong? Was I wrong? And being wrong is the hardest thing for any of us. To Nobody do. likes to be fucking wrong. No, no. I find I'm often wrong. I am often. Wrong. <laughs> Oftentimes, like I look back, I'm like, God damn, I was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell? Yeah. I I look back and I'm like, why do people still talk to me sometimes? You know. And it. But the good thing is, we all realize we are, we all make mistakes, and we all do that. And making a mistake isn't an issue. Um, if we didn't make a mistake we would never learn. Right. You don't learn from doing something right over and over again. You learn from fucking up and coming back from it. Right. And, um, I can refine the things that are good, but I don't really learn until I know. Um, you know, I, I have, uh, black belts and two other martial arts, Filipino martial arts, and they're good self-defense martial arts. But in my opinion, they, um, they're missing that ground component. And like, I thought oh, I can kind of hold myself on the ground a little bit and then go to St. Charles MMA and like, no, you know, mm -hmm. just, just completely wrong. Not even a little bit wrong, just completely wrong. And so, you know, you, you start that journey again and then, uh, you know, I'll, then I passed my blue belt test. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to be able to take out these white belts. And then in comes the, the 20 year old wrestler who's got 20 pounds of muscle on me and is just smashing the crap out of me. Cause I never wrestled or anything. And I'm like, yeah, I got to learn this lesson again. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. You have a very stoic approach to everything. Um, to just to how you, uh, you just try to, you know, stay humble yet. Uh, you know, you're always kind of seeking knowledge. Um, we uh you you touched on a couple different things that I want to talk about uh, website writing <laughs> book uh we'll get to martial arts so there yeah there's quite a few things there you're doing a lot of, a lot of cool shit um so you have a website what is it called 
Uh, it's just premlife.com. Primlife.com. Yeah, and then I got a blog and kind of other stuff on there. Okay, so what all? What's the other stuff that's on there? So you got the blog on there. Um, you do book reviews. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've been working so much, and I've been injured this summer, and trying to get back to get, getting into jujitsu again, mm-hmm. full time. And um, so it's mostly just been book reviews. But yeah, uh, I, I like to put up stuff, um, different stuff, kind of about my life or things that I think about. Oh, nice. Um, How long have you been writing? All all my life. I started writing in high school. I started writing bad poetry <laughs> to get girls, of course. Um, you should publish that shit. Nah, no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> no. Uh, for a while there, um, one of the, one of the, um, I knew a, a lady here in St. Louis who was organizing something called Bad Readings. Oh, yeah. And so you're supposed to bring in like the stuff you wrote in high school and read it in front of an audience. And it was, I went to one of them and it was hilarious. And like the people up there, they, they blush and they get all that, but they get a free drink. So, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's, it was a good time, but no, I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, um, and I, and I love reading. I love writing. So I've been doing that all my life. I went to, um, UMSL university, of Missouri, St. Louis to their, um, and to their night program and got a master's degree in creative writing. Oh really? Yeah. We oh. have, um, we're 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 lucky uh in our area because we have a really good um writer scene in st louis really um yeah yeah wash U has has a lot of good writing a real good writing program um umsel has a really good night mfa so it worked for me because i was um working full-time while i was doing it um lindenwood is putting together one Hmm. um well, so what do they teach you? Like, what is it? What's it? I don't. What like? What's the curriculum like? Uh, you you have to put together a packet to get in, and then when you're there, a lot of it is workshopping. Uh-huh. So you write your piece, and then you pass it out to the class, and they have a week to read it, and then they critique it. Oh, okay. And so they'll they'll write on the copies, and then you um you sit there, and they they talk about it. Um, they basically talk about it like you're not there. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah. Holy. You want to talk about taking like some constructive criticism? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough, but it's That's also good, though. it is. That's it's real good. Really good. You talk about like thickening your skin. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah, and you get to see. Uh, personally, I saw a lot of blind spots that I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't even know. And the good thing is, I got to meet a lot of people um, in, in different walks of life. Uh, that I normally wouldn't have met because they, uh, they take everybody. And, um, the, uh, it, you know, the, the only requirement really is you got to have good writing. Um, and I, I, I mean, I learned so much like I, and I, uh, yeah, there's, there's, it, it moved me as a writer in a lot of ways. Um, the workshops I, I will always, always remember just because they're, they're brutal, but they're really good. And it's, it, I mean, it's basically an open mat, right? You're out yeah. there and you're getting smashed, you're getting smashed, you're getting smashed, but everybody wants you to be better. They're yeah. not there trying to like, look how smart I am. Look how I am. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to get better. Everybody's working on their own craft and they're all trying to lift it up. Um, those are good environments to be in for yeah, sure. Those yeah. are good environments. 
what so what do you like to write so you're doing i understand you you're like posting your book reviews but do you have you like what else do you like to write that you don't post um so i i've been working you write, on you write essays or, or poetry i, or I write essays and i've been working on a novel um, oh okay yeah. yeah yeah and uh um so one of the one of the essays that i'm kind of working on I, I don't really tend to talk about them until i post them because for some reason that like kills the drive you know oh, okay well one of the essays and it because it'll tie back into what we were talking about earlier one of the essays that i've really been working on is the morality of working on weapons um because uh a few uh, well, actually a long time ago um I, I knew this uh episcopalian priest and like she she was weirded out by the fact that i worked on weapons and like to me it just never hit my mind and yeah. so like she's like how do you how do you deal with the fact that you know the things that you're working on is going to go out and kill people and i'm like uh that's interesting i never thought about it what kind of weapons are we talking like planes you know so oh, okay. they would deliver you know mine i okay. guess technically the parts i'm working on wouldn't kill somebody but they would take the missile there to be able to kill somebody right yeah okay i'm following you now okay okay how yeah. she feel cuz you're 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 coming you're kind of just a, a piece of that puzzle huh yeah 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 i am part of that military industrial complex that everybody warns you about so yeah so how do you feel about that anyway as you're continuing <laughs> i'm 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 strangely okay with it you know, yeah. um, and I, I, I can't justify it. There's, there's no, I, I'm, I'm working on it. You know, I like, I like reading philosophy. I like reading morality, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I could give you the ultimate utilitarian answer is because somebody's got to do it. Someone's you know? got to do it. <laughs> I mean, that is the, yeah. That, I mean, I tend to, I tend to think about it as I, it's easy to remove yourself, right? Whenever mm -hmm. it's not like. It's like I'm just working on a fucking plane. Like yeah. whatever the intention of the user is is not necessarily your Yeah. I mean, your moral judgment to make. You're just trying to make sure that the user is safe. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people use that as a as a reason. Um, you know, that and that's that's my main concern is like the the people in the cockpit or the people the passengers that are in the airplane is getting them from point A to point B safe. You know, um yeah some point point b or you know point c somewhere between those two they may be dropping a torpedo in the water to go to kill somebody you know it happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does and so, it's it's a it's a weird thing to think about because you know i don't watch those like beheading videos i don't watch the yeah, me the blow-up videos i i don't have stomach for that but and, and then you think well i'm a cog in that machine and it's there's there's no good answer <sighs> yeah man <laughs> you know it's not one of those things that um you think about probably getting into it but it's just kind of one of one of the things that come with the package yeah but uh so you wrote about that yeah and this is an essay that is not yet released or will be or i'm, is I'm working on it oh, okay. it's working. oh and man you shared it <laughs> yeah. all right we don't want to kill the drive no no because it's i mean it's, now there's social pressure Everybody yeah heard about it yeah <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's something that I wrestle with constantly, constantly, yeah. you know, um, and, and kind of to bring it back on a, a more local level, think about, because uh, we do martial arts, the stuff that we know could really hurt somebody really bad, Yeah, you know, and and 
yet you walk around and someone in traffic flips you off you just kind of laugh and just walk off you know because it, it's uh, yeah i i don't you know we walk around with that with that morality and we know that we're not ever going to have to use it but we also know that if something came up we could definitely use it yeah it's nice to have that peace of mind there's there's no uh there's no reason to ever have to like uh like uh show it you yeah. know what i mean you just kind of have this this calm confidence but here's the mm-hmm. fucking thing though i know even more so that there are a lot of people out there that are fucking way better than me yeah. <laughs> that don't look like that look uh, that are smaller than me uh-huh. look less than me i'm just like man who are old like they might be 20 30 years older than me like yeah Dude, there's some bad motherfuckers out there. Yeah, yeah. So I just, just also knowing the fact how like, you, whether it's it's like my physical capabilities or whether it's just like my learning endeavors, it's just like it's like the more you know, the like the I, the more like, I I feel like I know nothing. Yeah. You know oh I mean? yeah, yeah. It's like I learn more, and it's just like fuck, dude. I know absolutely nothing. There's so much more to know. Yeah. And I don't know any of it. <laughs> I always think I always think like Joe Lozon from the UFC, man. You know, you see that guy out, you're not gonna think like, he's gonna but fuck he's you gonna up. fuck you up. You know, and and he's he's going to do it and he's going to look good doing it too. And he's going to make you look like, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a viral video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know who was like that? And, um, do you know Quentin O'Brien? Yeah. I want to have Quentin on the podcast. Yeah. He would be good. He, um, whenever I first met Quentin and if you didn't know him, he, he, I mean, he's a very handsome man. Like <laughs> he's well-spoken. He's like a nice looking dude. Quentin will wreck your fucking world. Like, he mm. is a world Muay Thai fucking champion. Yeah. Like, you see the guy in a suit and tie, I'm sure, at work, but you just, you know, very nice guy. Yeah. He'll fuck you up. Fuck you up. Yeah. So, I, I've in seen In a different him. way. He won't, like, choke you out or break your bones or anything like that, but he'll just, like, make you eat some nasty knees and elbows and shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It can be anybody, and it can be in any way that they can bring the heat. So uh, I'm used to seeing him, you know, in his get up at the gym and, and get ready to, to spar or teach class or whatever. Um, and then I've seen him a couple times at work in, like, the suit and that, and I always walk by, and it's like I'm halfway out the door before I realize who it was. Because <laughs> it's, it's, you know, my mind just doesn't overlay that on him. Yeah. 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 I, He's I, a bad fucker, dude. Yeah. When I first met him... He, I was in the gym, and he was walking around a lot smaller then, and uh, I didn't know him, and I think we we sparred or something, and he just, <laughs> man, he he beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way to put that, and uh, it was it was a good time. Man, that's that's what I think about that gym. Like, you go in there, you get beat up, but it's a good time. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we have so many cool ass people there. We we really do. We really really do. So. You got published in a book. Yes. Your you two two essays. Two essays. Right. Yes. Tell but, me about uh, these. The Tell book is the book. Um, the book is called "Putting the Science in Fiction." Uh, it's from Writer's Digest and and edited by my friend Dan Cobalt. Cool. Um, uh, he part of uh, he's a published author. He's got a trilogy of portal fantasy novels, um, and uh, as he was going through his process as he was learning his craft he put a blog up and he has a lot of good information on helping new writers kind of get out there 
and he ended up starting this um, series called uh, Science and Sci-Fi and Fact and Fantasy. And so um, experts would just, uh, they would submit uh, an article. He came to me one, um, he sent me an email and he's like, somebody asked me this question and, and it's an engineering question and I don't know how to answer it. Do you think you could take a whack at it? And so I looked at the question and um, it wasn't really in my expertise. So I ended up writing an article on how to ask an expert. So um, like, uh, you know, I know you're doing your fitness thing and I know you eat healthy. So like somebody comes to you and like, Hey dude, how do I lose 10 pounds? You're kind of like, well, you know, that's not really a question. It's nuanced, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's, and you could be like, go on Google and just type it in, you know? And then when you have specific questions, come back to me. So my article was to try and help people narrow it down so that when they go to the expert, they can ask a question that that's not really going to waste the expert's time. Um, you know, so like, Hey Adam, I just got these maces, you know, can you show me a couple, uh, exercises? You know, I'm having a hard time moving around and I don't think I'm getting the best. You'd be like, sure. You know, and then it's specific and it's taken, um, you seriously. It's, it's not like, um, basically wasting your time. Yeah. It's having a plan, right? Yeah. 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 Having a plan. And so that, that essay was there. Um, and, uh, then I got, uh, so that's in the book. Um, it's a, a revised and expanded in the book. Um, and, and I'm pretty happy with that. Um, cause like, you know, like you said, you, uh, most people don't really know what an engineer is. Right. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And so they'll come to me and they'll ask questions that I have no clue. I pretend I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, there's chemical, I mean, especially now as, as, as our knowledge increases, and people have to go more specialized, you know, like doctors now are getting real specialized, right? right? Because we're learning so much and it takes so much knowledge to cure some of these things. So, you know, um, they came in, uh, he, you know, his question and, and not to put him on the spot, but, it, um, his question was like, it, you know, if an apocalypse comes, would there still be running water? And the answer is maybe, because it depends on what type of apocalypse, you know, is it a nuclear apocalypse? Is it a zombie apocalypse? Um, you zombie know, zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. If it is, I'm asking. No, there, sh there should be as there long as there's, water, right? yeah. As long as there's electricity running to pump the water. Yeah. Why would the electricity stop if there's a zombie apocalypse? Um, well, I mean, you gotta have, uh, you gotta have people there to keep, processes going right and if if the whatever's generating the um so electricity falls apart no no i mean it, it's as automatic as it can be but i mean even stuff breaks stuff falls down and you got to have somebody to repair it and get it keep it going that's true um you know uh think about like you know we get we get high winds here in missouri and uh, electricity lines fall down, you know. Somebody's got to go fix that. Yeah, somebody's got to go fix that. We and need so, more robots. Yeah, we do. Better robots. We do. And 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 that was kind of the that was kind of where I was going. Like you know, if it's a, a you know if it's um like a a nuclear war, if they set off a nuke a nuke up in the atmosphere, we may not get like the radiation and the fallout that, but there will be an electromagnetic wave that comes and fries all our electronics. Oh. 
So, you know, I mean, and the water is going to run as long as there's pressure in the system. But once the pumps fail and the pressure dissipates, no more running water. Oh, so then what do we do then? Go to wells? Yeah, go to wells. Yeah, go to wells, go to rivers. Um, Go find a spring. Go find a spring. Yeah, go back to nature. That's the move. I wish I could find a spring now. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that kind of spurred me on and, and... um, it's actually the, the first essay in the book. There's a preface by a, a, a well-known author, Chuck Wendig, who I really like. And then Dan writes an introduction to it, and then I'm off to the races. And um, let's see. let's I, I got this here. I yes, wrote it down. There. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's 39 experts for 59 chapters or essays. Um, so there's a lot of stuff. Most people are in the book, I think, twice. Um, I, my second one is about designing realistic starships, spaceships. Yeah. Um, because a lot of our spaceships aren't, uh, a lot of our fictional stuff like Star Wars and that are kind of based on the dogfight movies of like the, uh, thinking about like World War One with the Red Baron and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's not really how space is going to be. Um, how wrong do they have it? Let's, let's learn about it. Sort of wrong. Sort of wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how would it be? Uh, there, um, there wouldn't be windows in space. You wouldn't need a window because you don't, you can't really pilot it. Space is gigantic and it's mostly empty and it's mostly really dark. Um, the the only camouflage you would need in space is to paint everything black because it would really blend in. And the stars are far enough apart that you wouldn't like you maybe block one. You wouldn't block a whole lot of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, so there's not, like, a whole bunch of, like, debris and whatnot out there? Rocks and such? Or? The um, Around around our planets, around Earth, there is. There's a, uh, we have a really bad um, garbage up there, satellites and everything. It's, yeah. uh, there's, there's a website, and I don't know what it is, but you can track the, uh, you know, NASA tracks all the garbage that's in space, and you can go look at it. <laughs> We're fucking everything we up. Are, we are. Holy we cow. We we do it, uh, mess things up. And, you know, it used to be launch windows were for, like, just weather, but now they got to pay attention to satellites flying overhead so that they don't shove the, mm-hmm. the astronauts up into a satellite as it takes off. Um, but... Uh, but I guess if you're not near Earth, right? So if you're just like out in space, yeah, then it's just mostly empty. There's not it's a lot. It's just mostly empty. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Yes, and it's the it's so big. The vastness. We can't understand. To 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 comprehend that sort of vastness, you'd have to be on like a psychedelic or something. Yeah. Like yeah. you, <laughs> you just be like, "What is going on out here with yeah. all of this?" And I don't know, man. It'd be. Have you heard? And I could be making this up. Who knows? But I feel like maybe it was like, uh, and it could have been maybe a conspiracy theory thing that I heard. But it was talking about like some astronauts, like many astronauts reporting like being in space and like weird, like seeing weird shit. Like, like unexplainable, not like, like lights, like unexplainable mm-hmm. moving lights and shit. Have you heard this? I, I've heard it. I haven't done a whole lot of research into it, so I can't talk on it. But oh, okay. It, um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but I would look more towards the, uh, 
more mundane explanations. Yeah, I don't know what it would be, but... Uh, you know, our brains are weird. Yeah. You know, and um, you get out there and, and you can't imagine looking up and just seeing nothing. I listened to a really good um, Radio Lab podcast, mm-hmm. and they're talking about how it's the blackest black, blacker than anything you can even think of on this earth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, um, you know, they, they there's that saying about the looking into the abyss. It really is looking into the abyss, and it's weird because, you know, we have this nice ground underneath us, but when you're up there, there's nothing underneath you. It's just that shuttle. So you're floating at all times. And then when you're out, the best, um, there, there's two types of extra V extra, they call it, uh, extra vehicular movement or activity or something. But there's one where you're attached to a tether to the space shuttle. And then there's one where you're not, and you just have a, you just have a jetpack on. Yeah, and then just a little burst of air. Oh yeah, just a little burst of air, and it's there's nothing to slow you down. You make a mistake, you could just head off forever. Holy! How terrifying is that, dude? I I've I've sat here and I've watched movies before. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> fuck, dude. There's been moments to where like I don't know if I was like meditating or just something. Like I've just I've sat there and like it's, it's only happened a few times, but it's just like. The vastness, like I really thought about it, like the vastness of it all, mm. kind of like sank in for a second. I'm just like, holy, sh-. like it freaked me the fuck out, yeah. dude. I'm just like, it's all so big, it's so <laughs> it's, big. It's all just keeps going. It's out there, and I'm just, I'm just small, man. We're we're tiny, so insignificant. We're in tiny. the grand scheme of it all. And the, and so there's our solar system, and then we're a part of a galaxy which is part of a cluster of galaxy, which is a part of like these giant networks of galaxies. Right. You know, and it's, it's so big. It's so, we will never, we will, what's sad to think is we will never know 99.9 basically repeating forever about the universe. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, uh, in it's so big that there's probably somebody on the other side of the universe, some other species, two guys sitting down on it doing their form of podcasting, and we'll never know. Never fucking know, dude. Yeah, anything's possible. I um, anything. The that that um, that knowledge of like just how vast and like. I almost just look as humans as like we're just like an organism on this earth mm-hmm. because like well I mean not just almost but like uh, we're always worried about something happening to the earth I yeah. mean it's it's definitely for selfish reasons because we want to live because at the end yeah. of the day like the earth will be fine yeah you know what I mean yeah, like it's gonna be fine it's like we'll all die we'll die <laughs> but the earth will be totally fine so but with that knowledge like it can also be very like almost you can you can definitely make it positive in the sense like dude like you can fuck it like this is it like this is the one like you can make anything happen like just with with that understanding of whatever like life can be whatever you want it to be is like if you have a fucking plan like just you want to put in the fucking work then you can make it happen yeah you know what i mean like nobody's writing the rules for you no (laughs) No, and as we've seen the past few years, even the rules that we thought everybody was abiding by, they just don't exist. Yeah, because I know me growing up, 
you I always heard people probably fucking like, oh, he's going to say this again. But it's like uh, f- you go to college and you get your degree and then you go get a corporate job and, mm-hmm. and then like you do that route. And it's like, God, dude, like in my opinion, it's probably not the most solid advice for an a, a 18-year-old or 17-year-old who doesn't even know who the fuck they are. They're like Their brain's not fully developed. They don't know what the fuck's going on. You're a rarity, yeah, obviously. You I know am. what the fuck you want to do. If you, want, if you know, then fucking go do that yeah. for sure. But a lot of us went, and we just racked up debt. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. and, and just later found out, like, man, that really probably wasn't the move for me at that point in time. Like... I I've agree. gotten I've gotten better at learning as I've gotten older. You yeah, know I mean I appreciate it a whole lot more. Yeah, I uh, strangely enough, it wasn't until I uh, uh, I was in my mid thirties when I really learned the best way for me to learn. Um, and and it's sad because college passed me by, you know. And I I wonder like how much better could I have done if I had known this back then. Right. My my take on it now is we place way too much emphasis on college and I wish corporations and businesses didn't have that emphasis on, you need a college degree just to talk to us. That to me, especially the way our system of education is because I'm good at, I, I'm marginally good at tests. I had a friend in high school who was great at tests and like he just skyrocketed and he could take a test anything but applying that knowledge to the real world was he just wasn't good at it and yeah. like trying to you know um and he he ended up finding a very good career that works for him but i think that he he went to college and he excelled at college and because he was a good student he had scholarships but to me a lot of the scholarships were wasted on him because what he ended up doing is something that doesn't need the degree that he got, you know? Yeah. And he's happy and I'm happy for him. But I I think about that. We test knowledge in such strange ways Mm -hmm. that if you don't, if everybody doesn't conform, then these people are stupid when not really those people just have different ways of doing things. Yeah. I suck at standardized tests. So, I mean, it's typically like, I guess if you want to go on the coast, mm-hmm. you usually take like the SAT mm-hmm. and the ACT usually for like the rest of us. Yeah. And uh, I took the ACT. Dude, I think I got like a 19. That's how stupid, like I was <laughs> not that smart. Like I took like a night, I think I got a 19 the first time I took mm-hmm. it and I took it again. I think I got maybe like, a 21 like i did not do good on that thing but like i feel like i'm i've learned pretty well like and i feel like now things come a whole lot like i've learned how to learn Mm -hmm. so like now i don't know i just i just feel like that test is just a terrible marker i feel like those standardized tests are just a terrible marker they they are but I, uh, I think so. I took yeah. the I took the ACT three times. I sucked at that thing. I got the same score every time, but the you know the the scores that make up the end score, they were all completely different each time. Really? What'd you get? I got a twenty eight, I believe, and I needed a thirty to get a scholarship. Yeah, I knew a guy who just like fucked around and party. We've all heard this story. The mm. guy who parties the night before and then goes in there and takes it like gets like a thirty four, yeah. thirty five. Yeah. What's the perfect, th- like 36 is 36 perfect, right? 36 is perfect. Yeah. 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 We all know that kid who got that too. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, I was on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. See, I shouldn't have been going to fucking college. <laughs> I was wasting it. Well, I think that we, I think that we put a lot of uh, effort on college that that shouldn't be. You should go to college. Uh, you know, I mean, there should be like the technical schools, like I did, engineering, or if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, you know, there's that route. But you know, I know a lot of people who went to college and they're great artists, they're great writers. And they went there for that, and um, you know they're saddled with a lot of debt right now. Right. But they they were able to find this expression for themselves that maybe they wouldn't have if they'd have gone outside because they started writing. I think that we don't look at college as self enhancement. We look at it as this is what I need to get a job, and to me that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely probably not the best way to go into it. Yeah. Um, also, it's just it's just the cost of it has just it's just it's, it's ridiculous. It's exceeded in, like uh, inflation, mm-hmm. and it's just so easy to get just you know just a mountain of debt piled on. You, you know of what debt. I mean? So, but it is it's definitely a good place to to kind of learn. It's just it's just a shame that uh, you know as you're trying to learn different things because like i took classes and i was like, oh fuck i didn't realize i was interested in that right mm-hmm. yeah so like there's there's that discovery piece which is kind of cool if if that is what you wanted to do but it's just a shitty ass system you yeah. know what i mean yeah. it's just a terrible system yeah if if we could uh, if we could get it some way where it's it's i mean cost effective but where you can explore your interests yeah because I, I really i really think that I don't like thinking of school as something where it's you're just being funneled into a job. Yeah. I want school as something that makes you just a better person. Well, and the thing is, though, a lot of it isn't even being funneled into a job. That's also yeah. the problem, right? I mean, uh, in, in really just a a a bachelor a bachelor's degree is almost kind of viewed like just a high school diploma is the Anymore, way. Yeah. yeah, and it's like if you want to stick out then you gotta get a master's degree mm-hmm. and it's like that's even more money. Yep. And yep. I went that route. Yep. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh I have a friend who's in um uh physical therapy and when he got his degree the masters is what you needed. And now you almost need a PhD in physical therapy to stand out. And it it just keeps elevating and elevating and elevating. And all that's going to tell you is that I'm good at knowledge and I'm good at regurgitating knowledge in a way that the person who's asking likes it. Right. You know, um, you, you almost need an internship. Uh, but I mean, even those nowadays are getting abused and people aren't getting paid. But you, there, there needs to be like a a year where you come in and you do the work and see if you can actually do it. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I got uh, I, I partied a lot in my undergrad, so I got mid level grades. Um, and I've you know now I'm doing work along uh, you know I'm ranked alongside the people that were getting four point and really nose to the grindstone and stuff. Just because I can, I can do my job this way. But if you were to come in and like ask me to take a test now, especially over the, the I, I would be like, I don't know, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't do this test, and and so you know, I, I get good ratings at work. I get, you know, 
I, I, I'm not in danger of losing my job. I keep getting, I get some awards here and there, but I couldn't take a test. I, I would probably get like a B or a C on a test. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Fuck that. I, um, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't very good at school. And then after undergrad, I was, I was working as a, as a security guard, third shift. Okay. And so overnight, all I did was like I worked on um, my business plan, and then like I worked and I I read a whole bunch of books and I'd watch movies. Nice. Catch a few C's every now yeah. and then. <laughs> but yeah, so I I read every like every three days was a new book though. I was constantly reading books, mm-hmm. and then after that, like I like after that, like I became like I I became a better reader. Like and a lot of it was was like self-development and like sociology and psychology and nice. just a ton of different like I don't read I don't really do fiction it's mostly non-fiction mm-hmm. so um, I just got better at learning through that process and then whenever I actually went back to grad school I, I graduated at the 4.0 and it was just so much easier I, mm-hmm. I, I'm just like school's way easier when you're older yeah it, it really is yeah yeah you know and part of it is you have life experience too that's true you know, and th- as we age, we we learn to balance our times a little better. In high school and college, I had no time management skills, you know, um, and it paid off in some ways because, like, I just, I was pure chaos and that's always fun. But in other ways, like, you know, I could have done better if I would have just been a little bit more structured and maybe you know, dedicated a little bit more time to this, but you know, I mean, I'd sit, I'd sit down to study and somebody like, Hey, we're going to go play basketball. Like, well, you know, yeah, might as well go, might as well go do it. Um, and, and now it's like, okay, I'm going to study. Then we'll go play basketball. Yeah. You know? And it's, I'm just better at structuring my time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The discipline comes with age. It does. It really does. Martial arts helps with that too, though. What did you? When did you get into martial arts? What's your path in martial arts? I, I've done it off and on all my life. So I, I loved. What got me into it was the Karate Kid. Karate. Loved the Karate Kid. Oh, great movie. Great movie. Um, Sweep the leg. You know, and and started doing karate and in our little town and the the guy who taught in our town he did Shotokan karate, which was interesting, and then he switched styles. And then he moved, and so I kind of got out of it. And then I found Bruce Lee, and so I really liked Bruce Lee, but, you know, he had passed by the time I had found him. So I found his uh, protege, Dan Asano, And so I started doing research on him because he's out in California, and you can go to school and train with him. And, and he focuses on um, a little bit more of the, at the time, more lesser-known martial arts, like Filipino martial arts, Indonesia martial arts, Thai, Thai boxing, um, and so I got into that and I wanted, and that's how I got started on the Filipino martial arts. Okay. But in college, uh, I went to Eastern Illinois university my first couple of years. Um, and in college, uh, uh, a girl I was dating was like, they, you know, there's this self-defense course we got to go. So, all right, let's go. And it was free. It was eight weeks. So I'm like, okay, you know, you're cute. I want to. I don't want to stick around with you, so let's go. So we ended up going, and the guy there was um, walk in. He's probably like 6'4", 210, built dude, bald. Um, and so he's teaching He's teaching just some basic stuff like eye pokes and that. 
and um, start talking with him. You know, like I've done karate in the past. He's like, you should come train with us. And he gave me like an outside training thing. Well, he was an MMA fighter um, at the time. Uh, Jim Theobald, probably don't know him. Mm-mm. He uh, he fought uh, Little Nog. That's like oh, that's he? one of his top oh, ones. Oh shit! Yeah, he he kind of fought between Chicago and downstate Illinois. Um, I don't know when he retired, but the last I heard of him was in I, I left there in '99, I think. This is the early early days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his instructor, I think, worked with Megaton because I the only person I knew was Megaton Diaz because of him. And so he came in and he was teaching us. Um, it wasn't Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I didn't have a gi and we mostly just did no gi stuff. Although he had a gi, which made no sense. And he had a white belt, you know, and we're just rolling around and doing a bunch of stuff. And so I liked the Filipino stuff, but I liked the ability to just go all out. Yeah. You know, you know, because like you can't in Thai boxing, you can't with sticks and knives, you can't go all out. Somebody's going to get very badly hurt, you know. Um Whereas you and I can, we can go and we can do this a hundred times and I can tap a hundred times and still go, still go. Right. Yeah. And so. So you're saying that's what you like about jujitsu compared to the Filipino martial arts? Oh, okay. Okay. I almost lost you there for a second. So the, so the, the the two Filipino martial arts, Um, are they both knife fighting? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, so the Filipino martial arts, they all, they all kind of have knife fighting. There's just tons of them. Um, but the, the, the one that I do, the main one is, um, there, I train them both under the same instructor. The first one is counterpoint tactical system, um, which is created by Zach Whitson and he took, it's got like three pillars. It's got American Kempo Karate, Pekiti Terjikali, and then Kokoi Dose Paris Eskrima. And so I have a black belt in that. And then, um, he also teaches, uh, he also ranks people in Kukoi Dose Paris. So I have a black belt in that too. Okay. So it's, it's part of his system, but, um, he doesn't teach American Kempo Karate or Pekiti Terja. He doesn't teach those separately. They're part of a system. It's kind of a blend system that yeah. he's developed. Yeah. And so there's some stuff that he's pulled in, some stuff he's kept, some stuff he's thrown out. But on the Kukoi side, if you go that route, then you get the whole system from it. Oh, okay. Um, so uh you're on both sides yeah okay yeah i I earned belts in both of them black belts in both of them um uh you know it's a real good self-defense based system um it's got it was really cool what the movement was really cool sorry to interrupt no no worries the the um it's a it's a it's a really good art um for for self-defense um, it, it's more like a jack of all trades, I guess, you know, um, you can become an expert in the stick fighting stuff. Um, but you, you know, you learn, you learn a lot of boxing, you learn the Filipino style of, of boxing, you learn stick, you learn knife, you learn staff, you learn a little bit of ground, a little bit of takedowns. So you kind of, you know, you, you got a good mix of, of everything, but they don't, um, quite go as deep on the, the ground stuff as the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu does. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I'm i never going to outbox a boxer, but I'm going to be able to hold my own with somebody who doesn't know boxing. Yeah. You know, I'm, ne- I'm never going to be able to out-leg kick a Thai guy, but I'm going to be able to leg kick somebody on the street, you know. Yeah, and check kick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so you can defend yourself. Yeah, you 
Yeah, and those um and he's got he's got a really good system because it's really structured. So, you know, um he like he his main student is in Phil, uh is in Pittsburgh, sorry, Pittsburgh. Um he's got people in Florida and uh North Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia and that. And if you go to each one of those, they're all going to be working from the same curriculum. So for white belt, you know, you uh, from white belt to blue belt, mm-hmm. there's each of them have three, three like containers. And then from white belt to blue belt, there's so much you got to learn. Uh, like, um, what was it? Uh, Pan and Tukin, which is Filipino boxing. You got to learn how to jab, how to parry. Um, you got to learn the 12 angles. So how to move the stick, 12 angles. Then you got to learn um, Pangamot, which is empty hand versus stick. Okay. And so every white belt in the system is going to learn that. And then blue to green, you're going to learn knife, the knife angles, the knife, start the knife tapping that I did with you guys. Um, and uh, what was it? Uh, single stick defenses. And so he's got like a set progression on up to like fifth degree black belt. Um so and then what you taught because you 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 held that that one day workshop mm-hmm. at the at the gym yeah that was just the knife fighting piece of it just that was just the empty hands first knife yeah just, okay so yeah there's um that was some cool shit yeah it's it's fun um it starts off empty hand versus knife then it goes to knife versus knife and then it goes to double knife versus double knife and so i mean it gets it gets complex and it gets nuanced along the way and um it, it's it's a really good system. Um, there's uh, there's a lot to learn there. It'd be a good skill to have to be good with a knife like that. Yeah, but again, it's it's that thing you learn that there's somebody out there. There's a you know three foot tall Filipino old man that's wrinkly and all that that can pull out that knife and just oh, stab gosh. you eighty times. Dude, that's crazy to even think about how fast they can move with that. Yeah, Holy yeah. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, the biggest thing that that martial arts taught me is that you just walk away the, yeah you know just absolutely walk away and everything it's not worth nothing's it. worth it because you don't know how crazy the other person is problem is when you're young and full of testosterone <laughs> come on bro yeah. i could take him that's exactly it that's exactly <laughs> it you know and and there's a weird thing and uh this is where jujitsu kind of beats all other martial arts in my opinion you know judo's probably the same way and and sambo's probably the same way when you have a martial art where you can spar but you can't go 100 percent all out you never really know you know that's true but in jiu-jitsu you know 100 <laughs> percent, you know because you know some some men will grab you or women even somebody will yeah. somebody will grab you and you're just like holy like, yeah they are the real deal yeah man. and it's like you try as hard as you want and it's like quicksand it's just like mm-hmm. they're gonna do what they want man. yeah and so then you get you know in the in the traditional martial arts you get this like will it really work you just never know you just never know is this really gonna work but in jiu-jitsu like i know it's gonna work because i get out there and and or you go to a tournament that person doesn't even know you you know maybe they looked you up on youtube if you put some on youtube or whatever but they have no idea who you are what you're gonna do and so you're facing them then at the end at the end of that five minutes, you know, you yeah. know, you know, you guys were one of you's better or you're the same or, you know, but, but, you know, there's an you answer. You know what the deal is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, usually know it pretty quickly. Like, um, yeah, yeah. 
you you know it. I feel like I lost, so I lost my second match at Worlds, mm-hmm. at World Masters. I don't. Anyway, and um, he and I both knew who was better. If he doesn't know that I was better than him, he's full of shit because <laughs> <laughs> I just got tired. I was so tired. You were tired. Man, yeah. I gassed out. I didn't know I needed to be in fight shape. I thought I was going to have longer than five minutes between those rounds. No excuses. He won. Good for him. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, my jiu-jitsu was better than his. <laughs> yeah, and then you run, you know, then you, you run into the that. first round. You yeah, buy. That, that sucks. And then you run into that, man, where you may be the better person, but you just you just worked your ass off. You're coming home off, uh, you know, a day's worth of hard labor or something, and some idiot who just woke up steps up to you and swings at you. So you're exhausted. Yeah. You know, and this person who's, you know, who may be chemically enhanced to, like, try and kill you, you know, it's – and that, that – the fact that – a lot of those traditional martial artists never know. I think that puts a little bit of sand in their ego, you know? Yeah. And so they're more willing to, to do something. Whereas, you know, a lot of the people who, uh, who fought are just like, I don't care, dude. Yeah. You know? They're, they're eager to prove. So they got something to prove. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's sad, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it is. And I, I love, I was telling Tracy this the other day. I, to me, jiu-jitsu, from transitioning to white belt to blue belt, jiu-jitsu is basically a mirror, right? It just shows you who you are. Yeah. You know, and you can't lie to yourself. Nope. You know, I go in there and you put your knee on my belly and I tap. I can't be like, well. No, yeah, absolutely. Nope. At the end of the day, it's like, you know what, man? I was a pussy. <laughs> I, I tap to pressure, you know? And Yeah. You know, uh, one of my favorite moments in the gym is we were working on a – we were preparing for a tournament, and Sampo was there helping out. Josh Sampo, you know, UFC veteran, tiny little, tough bastard. Yeah. And we're doing a we're doing rolling, and he throws me in a choke, and he's got me in a guillotine choke, and he hit, you know, and he kind of squeezes, and I tap right as he's letting go, and he basically, and I call it my "don't be a pussy" moment. He would not. It wasn't like that at all because he was like really inspiring and all that. But I can't help but think it's like, don't be a pussy. He's like, you know, you didn't even fight it. You didn't try. You just, you know, the moment it was on there, you tapped. And he goes, and he goes, when it's against us brown belts, you got to at least try to fight it. You got to, you can't, you know. Yeah. And he goes, when it's the purple belts, the brown belts, the black belts, they're not going to. You know they're not going to snap it on, so you don't have to worry about that. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna lock it up. They're gonna lock it up, and they may even like he was doing, giving me a chance to fight out of it and to learn my limit and to push myself. Yeah. And so, and and so I think about that. It's like you know, he's right. Yeah, he's so right. That's such an important thing. And and man, the safest person to roll with is is definitely the highest belt in the yeah. room. You know what I mean? And um, I personally have always, I'm I'm always priding myself like I want to be like one of the if not the safest fucking guy mm-hmm. to roll with at the gym yeah. so yeah man there's countless times where i've i've with some lower belts like i've thrown something on or mm-hmm. whatever an arm bar or something and they just immediately tap as soon as it's, it's just like oh nope yeah you're, you're, you're fucking with my arm you're fucking with my shoulder whatever mm-hmm. the case may be they just immediately taps like dude just let's work through this like mm-hmm. you're not going to be hurt it'll, it'll be totally fine like i'm not going to hurt you yeah and and it's and it's an important lesson, but at the end you gotta look at yourself in the mirror and be like, 
who am I? Am I the guy that's going to fight through that? Or am I the guy that's just going to keep tapping? Yeah, because that's a moment of, mo- moment of panic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I always talk about, like, you know, we've got big guys in our gym. We've got big guys in our gym. But I've never felt claustrophobic by, you know, I've had Tracy mounted on me, pushing my face into the mats, you know. Yeah. Never felt claustrophobic. Rice House gets on me, mounts me, and I feel claustrophobic. Yeah, for the folks listening, uh, we're talking about Matt Ricehouse. He is a black belt under Rodrigo Vaghi. And he is, how tall is Matt? Probably 5'10"? Yeah. 5'10", 170? <laughs> if if that. 165? 165, 160. You know, he's, he's rail thin, and he's athletic, and he's... He's a savage. He's a savage. He's the guy that you would look at and you would just your eyes would scan right past in the bar but he would murder the hell out he of you he will murder you <laughs> in a second he is a vicious black belt in jiu-jitsu he was an awesome fighter back awesome in the day fighter. had some great wins in strike force in its heyday and uh yeah we're we're lucky to have him at the gym but man he he uh, you know i i i haven't tapped to be in smothering to anybody but him really? when i was a white belt he tapped me and he gets up and he looks and he goes, oh, man, why'd you do that? You know, <laughs> and it, and I like feel so disappointed in myself. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I felt so disappointed in myself and I had to go home. And like the next time I rolled with him, I'm like, it ain't happening. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Have all keep all that panic attack inside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those, those things are vicious. <sighs> Eric Prim, we just went almost an hour and a half. Damn. I know. Time flies. Time flies. Good stuff. This was fun, man. Hey, man, how can folks um, get in touch with you or is anywhere you want to direct them? They can say, hi, say hello, ask questions. Yeah. Talk the um, book, anything you want to plug. So uh, my blog is a good way to keep up with me, um, primlife.com. Um, I'm mostly on Twitter nowadays. I've reopened my Facebook account, but I'm not going to keep it open for much longer. Twitter's Probably a place. Twitter's a place, and it's at PrimLife, P-R-I-M-M-L-I-F-E. Okay. So, yeah. oh, and then what's, what, what's the blog? Did you s- PrimLife.com. PrimLife.com. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. yep. Appreciate it. it. And one, right. more, one more time, the book is Putting the Science in Fiction. Putting the Science <laughs> in Fiction. All right, folks. Until next time.